Genesis chapter 5, beginning with verse number 21. Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years, and he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So, so all the days of Enoch were 300 years and 65 years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Now go with me over to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, I'm hurrying to get there. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 5 and 6. Hebrews 11, verses 5 and 6. And God's word says this, By faith Enoch was taken up that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up. For he obtained the witness that before being taken up that he was pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he comes to God must believe that he is and is reward of those who diligently seek him. Now go with me over to the little tiny book of Jude, right up against the book of Revelation, the little tiny book of Jude, and uh, verse number 14. And God's word says this. Listen very carefully to what it says. And it was about these men that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many of his thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of their ungodly deeds, which they have done in an ungodly way. And of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for ordering our steps and our stops. Thank you, Lord, for prospering our path. Thank you, Lord, for bringing amazing people across our life at the time that we need them. Thank you, Lord, for making our path straight and successful. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint me to speak, and I pray, Lord, that what I'm about to say will be compounded and deposited in each and every one of our hearts. And help us, Lord, to walk with you. Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise for it. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen and amen. You may be seated. I want to talk about faith for the end of an age. We're living in a different generation today. I believe we're living in the end of an age. I'm not saying to you that the end of the world is going to come today. I know better than that. We still have the millennium reign of Christ yet. That's a thousand years. Every once in a while somebody says, well, the world could end tomorrow. No, it won't. Sun's going to come back up. You can go to, bed, go to bed tonight and things going to be fine. Sun's coming up tomorrow. The Lord has a plan. But there are seasons that come and there are seasons that go. People come and people go. Windows open and windows close. It's important that we not miss our defining moment. God didn't call us to be a wandering generality. God called us to be a definite specific. I said to a young lady last week that I'm interviewing to join our team, I said, I'm more of a compass guy than a clock guy. Now, I believe in the clock. When I go out to the airport, you may have better take care of the clock because the plane's going to leave at a certain time. But a lot of people don't look at the direction they're going and all they do is end up at the wrong place on schedule. 
I would rather be running a little late going the right way than be on time going the wrong way. I'm more of a compass guy than a clock guy. I want to have a sense of divine direction in my life. We're living in the closing moments of a generation. We're living in the closing of, a, of an end of an age. And Enoch lived in such a time. Enoch lived in an amazing time. And the word of God says, by faith, God took him up. That he would not see death. And then it says, his faith allowed him to please God. All of us know Hebrews 11 verses 5 and 6. But do we know that Enoch is the epitome of it? That Enoch is the divine example of what it is to live in such a manner that God would take you up. And to live in such a way that God could say, ha ha, he pleases me. And that's what I want to talk about. I hope you'll make some notes this morning. And um, I'm not encouraged the other two services to do it, but I want to encourage you to take some notes today. And when you get home, put them on a little four by six card. Get a little card and put those notes on it. And then take that card and put it on the refrigerator door. You say, James, why do you recommend we put it on the refrigerator door? Because we go there every day. Now, some go more than others. And some stay longer than others. So when you go, you might as well learn something at the same time. So how do we live our life at the end of an age, well, first of all, our faith prepares us for surrounding gloom, for surrounding gloom. In the day of Enoch, he lived in a generation that storm clouds were forming. He was living in a generation that one day the flood would come. He lived in an age of permissiveness. He lived in a generation filled with idolatry and wickedness and murder and crime and vice. He lived in that generation. Let me tell you what God said about that generation. It's the greatest of all indictments. God said of that generation, I regret that I ever created mankind in the first place. Wow. God looked down upon the earth and he saw such vice and wickedness. And he said, I regret that I ever created man and woman in the first place. And Enoch lived in such a day. We live in a day around this world. When you look around this world and you see the crime and the debauchery, the wickedness, the idolatry, the war, the hatred. We live in such a generation that has turned its back on God. But this is the generation that we're called to. You say, well, I wish I'd have had a different generation. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we don't get to pick the generation that we live in. One day I was sitting next to the founder of a major corporation in America. His name was Richard DeVos. And Richard DeVos and I were chatting and I talked to him about the generation he was born in right after the major war in America. And he looked at me and he said, 
James, you don't get to choose the generation by which you're going to serve. You get to choose how you're going to respond to the generation that God has given you to. And ladies and gentlemen, this is our greatest moment in time. This is the, the generation that God trusted with a pandemic. Wow. We must, God must think we're incredible people to trust us with a thing. When I'm over in Nepal with my Nepalese brothers, I will say, God must believe you're big people because he gave you the biggest mountains in the world. My dear friend, God will equip us for the task that is there in front of us. We live in an age of permissiveness. We live in an age of presumptuousness. Enoch lived in the age of Babel. In Genesis 11, we learn about Babel. And what did the people of Babel believe? I could build a throne tall enough to touch the throne of God. No, they couldn't do it. But they were saying, we don't need you, God. We don't need you in our lives. We don't need you in our families. We don't need you in, a, in the affairs of our, of our life and in our world. We'll show you how bright we are and how intelligent we are. Now, I thank God for education. I thank God that I can read and I can study. I thank God that I can learn. I don't claim to be the, the brightest guy in any room. I'm just willing to stay on a problem longer than the average person. My daughter would go to school. My, my, my wife would go to school, just read through the books, take the test. I'd be sitting up all night, studying all night, trying to get ready to make the same grade. But we live in an age of presumptuousness. We believe that we can solve our problems if we just educate long enough and hard enough. We think that if we can go to the finest schools, we can solve all of the ills of society. And I thank God for the wonderful opportunities that we have to learn, mature, and grow. But ladies and gentlemen, there's a difference between fact and truth. Facts can make you smart, but truth can set you free. And Jesus Christ is the answer to all the ills of every society in this world. And if you believe it, say amen. It's true. And he lived in a day that the world believed they didn't need the Lord. And he lived in an age of progressiveness. It was a time of expansion. It was a time of population multiplication. That was a time in which he lived his life. And so do we. We live in a time of expansion. Planes fly longer than they'd ever flown before. Did you know the longest flight in the world originates right here in Singapore and it lands in New York City? It's true. 18 hours and 40 minutes. There's a competition going on between Singapore Airlines and the airlines out of Auckland, New Zealand. It's true. They, they, the guys in New Zealand, New Zealand Air, they say, no, our plane flies further than Singapore Air. That's a lively conversation going on. Planes fly further than they've ever gone before. Things move faster than they've ever moved before. Technology advances and compounds every 18 months and has been for nearly 40 years. 
As it compounds, it gets smaller and it gets faster. That's why you can hold a computer in the palm of your hand. You can have more power in the palm of your hand when NASA put a rocket on the moon in 1969. When NASA put a rocket on the moon in 1969 from Cape Canaveral, Florida, the computers on that rocket were 30 megabyte computers. And we, today, 30 megabytes? Wow, really? Expansion is happening all over the world. And this is a time when the church needs to step in to the flow of what's happening and point men and women to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But ladies and gentlemen, kid us not. A world that has gone wild one day will give an account to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Our faith prepares us for surrounding gloom. Secondly, our faith provides saving grace. Saving grace. Listen to what the word of God says. Enoch was 65 years old. And the Bible says his son Methuselah was born. Then it says in the next verse, Enoch walked with God. We don't know how he was living before Methuselah was born. But we know that when Methuselah was born, Enoch said, I will walk with God. He says, my son needs to know a dad walks with God. My sons and daughters need to know that there's a father that walks with God. My wife needs to know, I have made a decision. I will walk with God. How long did he walk with God? Well, the Bible tells us he walked with God for 300 years. Therefore, he lived 365 years. And the Bible says, God took him. He walked with God. Let me ask you a question. Are you walking with God? Are you walking closely with the Lord? Are you walking intimately with the Lord? If you love the Lord more in your past than you do in your present, then you've backslidden that far. If you're not as close to where you used to be walking with the Lord, you need to get in step with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. His testimony was... He walked with God. Everybody understood where he stood with the almighty God. He was the world that was going one way, but he and God were going the opposite direction. He made a decision that he's going to walk with God. That was his testimony. And I submit to you, we need a generation of men and women who love Jesus and will announce we will walk with the Lord. There used to be a song that was sung many years ago. We don't sing it very much today. But it used to go like this. The world behind me and the cross before me, I will follow Jesus. There are 10,000 books written a year on leadership and 10 on followership. And may I submit to you in this Sunday morning service that Jesus Christ is still the leader and we are the follower. Even the apostle Paul saying to Timothy would write and say, follow me as I follow Christ. How well are you following? Are you a follower? Are you in step with the Lord? Are you walking with the Lord? Do you casually walk with the Lord or do you intimately walk with the Lord? I do not know how much of the Lord you have, but you have just as much as you want. A shallow thirst produces a shallow satisfaction. 
One day Enoch gets up. He says, you know what? I know another guy that used to walk with the Lord. His name is Adam. When Enoch was born, ladies and gentlemen, Adam was still alive. In fact, the Bible says that Elijah was the seventh generation from Adam. Now, don't misunderstand this or don't miss it. When Enoch was born, everybody knew Adam or knew of someone who did know Adam. Everybody knew the Garden of Eden. They knew where the Garden of Eden was. The flood had not taken place. The Garden of Eden still existed. Everybody knew about Adam. Everybody knew about Eve. And everybody knew what happened in the Garden of Eden. Everybody knew about Adam. I see Enoch getting up and he says, I'm going to go see Adam because Adam used to walk with God. And you know what's interesting about Hebrews chapter 11? You will find that Adam's name is not recorded there. Now, I believe Adam is in heaven. I believe that Eve is in heaven. I believe that God covered them when he slain that Adam on the Garden of Eden. I believe that they are in heaven. But Adam is not in the Hall of Fame of Faith. His son Seth is there, or rather Abel is there, but Adam is not there. It's very interesting to me. It's very interesting that when you look at the book of Genesis, for example, you will find that out of Abel came a lineage of men and women who lived by faith. Then you had Canaan and the lineage that just lived and died and lived and died. But those who came out of Abel and Seth and so forth, the Bible says they lived and they died and they lived and they died. But the Canaanites, it just says, and he died and he died and he died and he died. I want you to know the person, the people, the man, the woman who chooses to live a life of faith, they will live. We will live victoriously in Jesus Christ. And yes, if the Lord tarries, we will die, but we will have lived and died. And Enoch goes over to see Adam, and they begin to sit down and converse. And Enoch says, Adam, you used to walk with God. Yes, I did. I walked with God in the cool of the day. I walked with God in the Garden of Eden. What was it like to walk with, oh my goodness, it was unbelievable, to walk with the one who created all things. You know, the Bible says that Adam is the one who named all the animals, Think about that for a second. The animals walked by him and he named them. How do you think he how do you how do you think he learned how to name the animals? He didn't read it in Wikipedia. He didn't go over the internet. How do you, how do, how do, you do that? God taught him. And incidentally, you're never going to be wiser than the people you choose to associate yourself with. Make a list of the closest friends in your life because it's a picture of where your life will be. And Enoch looks at Adam and says, what was like? And Adam says, this is the kind of life I had. This is the walk I had. But one day, Enoch, I didn't show up for my walk. God showed up, but I wasn't there. I was someplace else, and God came looking for me. Enoch says, well, what would be your coaching to me? Whatever you do, Enoch, show up for your walk with every day. Walk with God every day. Walk with God in every night. Walk with God in the ebb and flow. Never get out of step with walking with Almighty God. And ladies and gentlemen, it's important that we begin our day walking with the Lord. Do you have a quiet time? You say, well, I have my quiet time on my way to work. No, no, that's called rush hour. Do you have a quiet time? Some time ago, I was interviewed on a podcast. A lady said to me, after you meet Jesus Christ in heaven, 
who's the next person you'd like to meet? I said, oh, I can tell you who that is. She said, who? I want to meet Adam. She said, are you serious? Out of all the other people you can meet, you want to meet Adam? I said, yes. I said, after I meet Jesus, I want to meet Adam. She said, why do you want to meet Adam? I said, I just have one question to ask Adam. If you had to do it all over again, would you do it the same way the second time? Adam had everything, and he refused to stay walking with God. Our faith provides saving grace. July 15, 1973, B.C., I came to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. He said, B.C., yes, before computer. Before cell phone. And yes, before COVID. On a beautiful Sunday morning in in the United States, an invitation was given. I responded. I came to Christ. I've been walking with the Lord for 50 years. And every July 19th is a celebration in our home. Christ came into my heart. And I've been privileged to walk with him for 50 years. Our faith provides us saving grace. Third, our faith perceives a simple gospel. Notice the the force of Enoch's faith. It was his testimony. Do you have a testimony? When you pass the test, you'll have a testimony. Some people say, well, I don't want the test. Well, that's how you get to a testimony. Satan will tempt us to bring the bad out. God will test us to bring the good out. And out of it comes a testimony. Enoch's testimony was that he walked with God. But not only the force of his faith, but the fundamental. And it was this. He believed that it's impossible to please God without faith. Do you believe it's impossible to please God without faith? If you please the Lord, it doesn't really matter who you displease. But if you don't please the Lord, it doesn't matter who you please. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not running for a popularity contest. We're not just trying to make everybody happy. That's not our goal. Our goal is to please the Lord. And how do we do that? We do that by faith. Well, what is faith? Well, faith is not a a wish. Faith is more than just a hope. Faith is not faith in faith. Faith is more than positive confession. I believe in positive confession. I do. Faith is more than positive thinking. I believe in positive thinking. Incidentally, negative thinking will not produce a positive life. As we think, we shall become. But faith is more than that. When you say, well, faith comes by hearing of the word of God, that's true. Romans 15, verse 8, the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I understand that. But I know a lot of people who have heard a lot of God's word, and yet they don't live by faith. 
<laughs> so when does faith become faith? Faith becomes faith when you hear God's word and then you act on what God has asked you to do. That's when it comes faith. For example, God speaks to Noah. God says, Noah, it's going to flood. Noah says, what's a flood? He said, well, it's one thing. We're going to put a lot of water on the earth and you need to build an ark. What's an ark? God gives him a blueprint. But when did it become faith for Noah? When he got some hammers and he got some nails and he got some wood and he got up every day and for 120 years, he built that ark. And the Bible says it became faith for Noah. When God puts something in your heart, you get up and you pick up the foot of faith and you move in that direction and God says, ha ha, that is faith. I am pleased with her. I'm pleased with him. Maybe God's put a business in your heart. Get started today. Maybe God's challenging you to study the word of God. Get started today and move in the right direction. Our faith perceives a simple gospel. But quickly and last, our faith plans for sudden glory. You know, the Bible says, Enoch went for a walk, and he didn't come back. Now, he walked with God every day. But on this day, he went for a walk, and he didn't come back. And the Bible says, ladies and gentlemen, that his faith caused him to be taken up. I imagine it this way. Enoch and God would go for a walk. And one day, they walked further than they've ever walked before. And God turned to Enoch and said, we've walked further than we've ever walked before. And we're a lot, lot closer to my home than your home. So why don't you just come on home with me? Enoch was gone. Can you imagine it? He looks at his family and he says... I'll see you tonight. He's not coming back. They sit down for that evening meal. Dad, husband is not there. They're wondering what happened to Enoch. Enoch was never coming back. For God took him. You know, when Enoch had a son, he named him Methuselah. And did you know that Methuselah lived longer than anybody else ever lived? He lived 969 years. Can you even imagine? We think a person is, you know, pretty old if he, he or she hits 100. 969 years. The name Methuselah means when I am dead, it will be sent. How would you like to have that name? When I am dead, it'll be sent. When I am dead, the flood would come. The same year that Methuselah died, ladies and gentlemen, the flood came. Why did God allow Methuselah to live nearly 1,000 years? Because God didn't want to send the flood. Why has it been 2,000 years since Christ walked on this earth and he hasn't come back yet? Because he's giving us time. He's giving us time to walk with him. He's given us time to tell this world about the Jesus Christ. He's given us time to raise up men and women of God. But one day, time will run out. The flood will come. Just as sure as we're breathing oxygen, one day, every man, woman, boy, and girl will give an account of their life. 
Jesus Christ was, I mean, Enoch was the first one that would prophesy the coming of the Lord. The word of God says it, and we read it earlier in Jude 14. He said, I looked and I saw the Lord had come. What thousands of his holy ones. He saw it as a settled fact. Not as a prediction, but as a settled fact that Christ had come. He looked 6,000 years into the future and he saw the Lord coming and he said, I'm going to walk with God. This world's going one way. I'm going the other way. I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to be pleasing in his sight. And before the flood came, God took him. And one day, the Lord's coming back. One day, we will walk out to work and we won't come back. For the Lord has taken us. It could be today. This beautiful, incredible day. The last Sunday of September. Jesus could come back today. We could be on our way home and never make it home. Because the Lord has taken us away. Four flight attendants going down the aisle of the 777 plane. Two taken, two left. Four pilots on the flight deck, two taken, two left. 14 people working in an office, seven taken, seven left. Can you imagine when two billion Christians in this world don't show up for the next day? What this world will be like. The Lord is coming again. Just as sure as we're in Cornerstone today, Jesus is coming again. I don't know when he's coming, but I know he's coming soon. I have an identical twin brother. I'm 16 minutes older than my brother. Both of our names is James. That's true. It is. When my brother and I were born, my parents didn't have a creative moment. They just named us both James. Both of us are James. But it's worse than that. My dad is named James. My uncle is named James. It's worse than that. Both of our grandfathers, first name is James. And their fathers were named James. I had a son. He's now with the Lord. I named him James. My brother had a son. I bet you can't guess what he named him. You know, we just get stuck one on one name and, you know, we just drive it to the ground. Years ago, my brother and I were riding with my dad in the southern part of the United States, down at the bottom called the state of Louisiana, not too far from New Orleans. And we were riding in a car in a countryside. In fact, it's what we call the woods. We were riding in a car so far in the woods, they had to pump sunshine in how dark it was and we're riding along with dad my mother was in her car about two kilometers behind us maybe three and my dad said to his two boys and we were around seven or eight years old he said would one of you like to ride with mom I said dad I'll ride with mom he said you know she's been riding by herself a long time I said it'd be great I'd be glad to ride with mom so he pulls the car off to the side and he says Jimmy 
just stand right here on the side of the road, two-way road. In a matter of two or three minutes, mom will pull up, you get in the car. I said, that's great, no problem. So I get out beside the road in the woods where they have to pump sunshine in. And I watch my dad and my brother drive off and I watch the car disappear. And I'm thinking to myself as a seven or eight year old guy, is this a good plan for my life? Car just disappears. I look all around, there's woods everywhere. So I start looking for mom. I'm looking down the road. And I see this blue car coming. Hope fills my heart. Mom's coming. And so as mom was getting a little closer, I was waving my arms. As mom got a little closer, I'm waving my arms and I'm jumping up and down. As she gets a little closer, I am yelling to the top of my voice. I am waving my arms. I'm jumping up and down. Now, when my mother would drive her car, this is the way she would drive. She'd take both hands, put on the steering wheel, and look straight ahead. Her son, her oldest son, is jumping up and down. He's waving his arms. He is yelling. I'm so close to the road, if I put my hand out, my hand will hit the front of her car. And I'm standing right there yelling, and she drives right by. She doesn't even turn. And I watch that car disappear. And I'm standing in the woods. And I thought to myself, is this really the end of my life? Really? And finally, I see my dad's car coming back. Oh, wow. So he pulls up. He opens the door. I'm like this. He says, are you okay? I can, I can hardly talk. <laughs> because I knew what it was to be left behind. There's coming a generation that will know what it is to be left behind. If the Lord was to come tonight, there's going to be a generation that will know what it is to be left behind. And if you think this world is bad now, wait till when the salt is taken out. And this world will be such chaos. If there's ever been a time that we need to walk with God, it's now. If there's ever been a time that we need to know that the hand of God is upon our life, it's now. If there's ever been a time that we need a generation of Christians that know what it is to walk with God, it is this generation. If there's ever been a time that we don't need to be guessing at whether or not we're ready for the coming of the Lord, this is the moment because we're living in the closing moments of a generation. And this is our greatest moment. just listen to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.